0: Welcome to the Teen Packed Podcast. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Welcome to Season 6 of the Teen Packed Podcast. Through these seven episodes, we explore the theme, Belonging, as we interview special guest speakers from Teen Pack National Convention 2022. Our topic today is We belong to the family. Quinn will be interviewing Mike Tylan, who serves as the Director of Operations, Camp Director, and Faculty Member with Worldview Academy. Mike holds a Master of Divinity degree in Christian Ministry from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He has a passion for the Church and helping to train the next generation of leaders that will faithfully live according to the Gospel in all areas of life. Mike has taught youth and adults across the country at camps, retreats, conferences, and leadership seminars. He and his wife, Angela, live in Central Texas with their three children and has served as a Teen Pack State Class Director for over a decade. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, Teen Pack Podcast listeners, this is Quinn, and I am joined by Mike Tylan. Hey, Mike. Hey, Quinn. So we're just coming off of Mike's session at National Convention, and wanting to facilitate a little bit more discussion, um, hopefully to serve you guys as you are um, looking to apply um, kind of what we're talking about today. Today's theme was belonging to the family. And Mike, um, you know, in the introduction, we described how, you know, you've worked with Worldview and you're a teacher and faculty member and so forth. Um, But you kind of started out describing how culture oftentimes is the thing that kind of sets the, the way that we view life and, and, and ourselves and and the world and all this, um, could you kind of explain that a little further, kind of uh, how you understand worldview, how you guys teach that at worldview Academy?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one of the sort of foundational elements, uh, that we talk about at worldview Academy and, and that I see is, is really important is just understanding our worldview, uh, which we at worldview Academy describe as our framework for understanding existence. Uh, it's, it's really the lenses that we look through to, to see reality. It's, uh, I, I can relate uh, closely to this idea because I wear glasses. And so if I have my glasses on, I, I perceive reality accurately. Th- things are clear, lines are clear, I can read words, I take those glasses off, and uh, I can no longer read signs, I can no longer see reality clearly, it's blurry. Um, and oftentimes when we think about our worldviews, we, we think, well, reality has shifted. Well, reality hasn't shifted. It's just our perception of reality that has shifted. Um, and so those lenses that we look through, and, and everybody has a set of lenses that they look through, but, but those lenses are shaped by a variety of factors, right? They're shaped by... Uh, our family, they're shaped by our friends who are, who are shaping us and instilling us, cer- instilling in us certain values. Uh, they're shaped by culture and media, the things that we watch, the, the music that we listen to. Uh, and so as, as we think about what it means to think biblically, uh, to see the world biblically, it's, it's having a way that we can filter ideas that are thrown at us But we have to filter them through something because and and I would suggest that something is the word of God, that that we filter those ideas through the word of God, that then we take what comes out of that filter and allow that to help shape the way we see the world.
1: Yeah, excellent. So, you know, today's theme was belonging to the family. Mm -hmm. And by that we mean, you know, the local church being a part of the body of Christ, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So when it comes to perhaps a young Christian uh, here in the United States um, kind of them forming their understanding of their identity, their belonging to, mm. to God. We've spoken about that earlier in the week at national convention, but then belonging to the people of God. Right. Um, where do you see where perhaps that is shaped not by the word, but by culture? Like, is that, is that social media? Is that TikTok? Or, <laughs> you know, um, is where, where do you see that where like young Christians are actually getting more input from things outside of the word than inside of the word
2: yeah I I think all of the things that you described I think social media is a powerful force uh, because they're in large part unfiltered ideas Uh, now you know we can argue about where those filters are in social media but but they are ideas that are are thrown to them uh, to to the students to the the users of those platforms uh, and then oftentimes they they're seen as experts the the threshold i think one of the things that social media has done uh is it's it's lowered the bar for what we deem as an expert just because someone posts about something that must mean they have authority to do that or we perceive them as having authority to do that and so or or to communicate that that they have the the um the background the the credentials to to say that and so i think it clouds the way that we think about authority uh social media but but i also just think it's uh it's 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 not just a social media problem i think part of the problem is that as we and as young people and I, i say we but as as young people and as as uh members of the family of god as as we uh walk out this life we think about the the ways that we have been influenced by christ and and oftentimes we we just are so quick to sort of relegate christ relegate the word of god to a to a box that that fits nicely in our experiences or in our world and and we we are not able to uh see that that god cares about much more than just Sunday morning, and so we've, we've created this sort of dichotomy between what's sacred and what's secular, and so I think that one of the reasons why our worldviews are so shaped by the media and by culture is that we don't see any reason why they shouldn't be. Uh, there, w- there's no sort of filter or mechanism in place to say, no, That the word of God somehow has an authority that the people on Twitter do not. Uh, that the word of God uh, is true in a way that uh, CNBC or Fox News is not true, um, and we, we are we're so caught up in in this confusion about authority. I think.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. So, I guess if you're if you're misplacing where you're you're receiving that information and what you're essentially. Uh, perhaps submitted to, um, if you're submitted to other cultural voices, shall we say, right, then that's going to shape your understanding of kind of your identity and belonging and belonging to the family of God. In fact, um, you described at the beginning of your talk, um, you know, some, some research from, um, was it Barna group? I think. Yeah. And, you know, two different cities kind of on either end of the spectrum, right. Which, um,
2: which had some fascinating uh, results. Could you kind of share that? Sure. Yeah. So it was a two thousand nineteen study by Barna, uh, where they were trying to identify the most post-Christian city in America, uh, and then by by contrast, the least post-Christian city. Um, and the the two qualifiers that they used or the two questions were: Have you read your Bible in the last week? And do you believe in God? Um, and so the the most post-Christian city uh in america had 87 percent uh had not read their bible in the last week but yet only 11 percent of them did not believe in god uh and so it's it's this idea that 89 percent of the the most post-christian city in america have some belief in god now that's not uh defined or constrained by the christian god um sure regardless they they have a belief in god and but only 13% have read their Bible in the last week. Obviously, and and I mentioned this this morning too, but you can use statistics to prove anything you want. (laughs) Uh, But I think what that indicates is that we are uh, allowing our view of God to be shaped by something other than the Word of God. And, And I just, there's nothing, as a Christ follower seeking to honor the Lord and live biblically, there's nothing that should scare us more than that. Hmm. So one of the
1: things you you then drove at was this idea that uh, a lot of people kind of out there, perhaps, but also probably people that we know that the young people at National Convention know would say, I'm good with Jesus, but not the church. Right. Where have you seen that in kind of your life in ministry? I know you've, you've pastored, you've, um, worked with worldview and teen pact. Yeah. Um, but where do you see that kind of lived out? When are some of those, I don't know, decisions made or statements made or, or, or whatnot?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's (laughs) fast. It's fascinating because it's, uh, it, it's seen, I've seen it in so many different, uh, ways. I've seen it sort of manifest in so many different ways, but I, but I think the, the root issue, uh, well, I've seen it in the church, I've seen it with young people, I've seen it with families, with parents who are trying to navigate sort of parenting their children, and they think, yes, the Word of God is helpful for spiritual development, but it doesn't have anything to do with how I parent my, my students or my teenagers. Um, and, and it does it may not specifically say you ought to parent X y and z but but it communicates God's intention for our lives and and the way that we are to think and to live um, and so I, I think it's a uh, you know that that sentiment is is a reflection of us wanting a Jesus that is a little bit more palatable for us. Um, I mean I think of uh, the the argument that has been, been shown by by or has been communicated by by many different authors the sort of the lord liar lunatic argument where you know jesus is either crazy he's he's a lunatic he's or he's a liar and he's intentionally deceiving people and if he's not one of those two things then what's left is is that he's lord um but we want to be able to sort of pick and choose we want the grace of jesus without the judgment of jesus uh we want the the humanity of jesus without the judge or without the without the the harshness we want the god of the new testament without the god of the old testament um and and we see ourselves as being able to define god we see ourselves as being the authority that can accurately parse through who god is and even how he's reflected in the the bible um, and so I, I think at the root of it is this pursuit of us being in the driver's seat, us being in 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 the position of authority, rather than submitting uh, to the authority of God and, and the Word of God.
1: Yeah, and I think something that you know would be well well and good for us to. Um you know, identify is that there also is genuine hurt that can come with experiences with the church, right? Where somebody, um, you know, I can think of some extended family where they are, you know, totally convinced that they are, uh, Christians, um, and have not had any regular membership participation, uh, even attendance, um, with Mm -hmm. a local church in years, if not decades. Yeah. And maybe they read their Bibles. Maybe they listen to some sermons online or read devotionals. I don't, I don't fully know that, but, you know, I don't think that's an uncommon thing Mm. even for an older generation person. Um, But then especially for this younger generation, uh, you you do have a lot of people who due to a, a really genuinely difficult church situation where sinners inside the church hurt them in some way, then they kind of, blow up the whole thing mm-hmm. um, so what would you say to uh, maybe a young Christian that has either observed that or has experienced that how do you still take a message like this that says hey you're part of the family this is a good thing this is something God has for you yeah. and actually see it as a good thing
2: yeah yeah I think that's a great question and I, I think the, the first thing that we have to do is l- legitimize that hurt right we, we can't we can't dismiss the hurt and say, oh, well, it that it doesn't actually exist. You're you're fine. Suck it up. Get over it. Um, I, I'm not sure that's helpful. Um, I, I think we we have to say, sure, there. Yes, there has been hurt that has been done. Um, and and the, the question that I would go back to and, and maybe this isn't the first place I would go. But but the question that that or the the thinking that that immediately comes to mind is uh, is Peter, in a conversation with Jesus, Jesus has been teaching about uh, what it means to uh, take communion, basically, to, to remember the sacraments, to remember the Lord through partaking in the sacraments um, and, and talking about eating his body and drinking his blood. And, and Peter goes, this is, a, this is a really hard statement. Um, and, and Jesus, the scriptures record that many people leave following jesus and he turns to peter and to the disciples and he goes are, are you guys going to leave too and and the text records peter saying you know where are we going to go i sort of picture him with his hands up looking around going there there is no other option like you have the words of life and so i i think oftentimes when we get hurt by sin um by difficulty in it, it, we experience difficulty our tendency is to completely swing the pendulum and to run away from what hurt us and and i'm not sure that in all instances is a bad thing but but god has communicated through his word that hurt will happen uh hurt comes because we are men and women filled with sin who wrestle with the flesh um i mean paul in in his writings in the new testament called himself the foremost of sinners right the the man who is responsible for much of our new testament is the is is calling himself the foremost of sinners and and so we can't uh expect uh sin-free interactions with sure. with members of the family of god as much as we would like to we just we can't um and so Uh, we also ought not then throw out god because people have hurt us and so it's just it's understanding um that sin sin exists we are going to be hurt uh but there isn't there isn't another alternative there there's no other i mean uh when heinous and evil things happen in the world the answer is not to shake our fist at god and say god how dare you you know allow this evil or or to even run away from god and say well god must be an evil god biblical christianity is the only worldview that has a definition of evil that that defines evil in the way we often define it in the culture which is contrary to the good well in order for something to to be evil you have to have a standard of good and there is no standard of good without god And so it's just this it's we we want to legitimize the hurt that has been done but invite people back into that relationship with god invite them back into relationship with believers it's not going to be free from hurt christ never promises us that uh, but it's it's what he's called us to and it's worth it
1: yeah i think that's really good to to draw on Peter's statement, where else are we going to go? Right. And, um, and so you do probably have to wrestle a little bit with, um, with what happened in your experience, maybe sure. with the church. Um, I mean, even in my own, my own experience, there have been, uh, leaders who due to pride or miscommunication have, uh, I've seen, you know, leaders leave the church, which, you know, cre- creates kind of a, you know, a really unsettledness, um, with the yeah, body. Absolutely. I've seen, uh, where a founding pastor of a local church that I was attending, um, had a failing, uh, mm. that was mm. rather public, mm. um, in, you know, front page news in mm. our local newspaper, sort yeah. of a deal. And, uh, and those sorts of things shake you when, yeah. when you, when you recognize like there's, there can be deep hurt there. Um, when maybe that same pastor had been, walking you through how to, you know, get over a pornography addiction and how to trust the Lord with that or something. Right. You know? And so, so I guess it's important for us to say at this point of the conversation, like, yeah, like you're saying, legitimize the hurt, like acknowledge that sin happens, that hurt happens, but that, that doesn't mean that the local church should just be thrown out. It doesn't mean that God's instruction of how he means to care for us in the body is, is a bad thing. Um, and there's probably also the case where, you know, there are healthy churches and there's unhealthy churches. Sure. You
2: look for patterns, and uh, certainly, I think about in the context of marriage, right? Uh, abusive situations. That let's yeah. not let's not remain in that situation. Exactly. Right. You don't have to remain in that position of of being hurt, but we want to think carefully uh, about it. And, and I just I think about the the hurt. I mean, even even as you were describing. Uh, the pastor in your life who uh, had a, a fall because of sexual misconduct. I think one of the things that's that's helpful to remind ourselves of is what we are capable of, um, and when we look at that and go, "Man, I can't! I can't believe that that pastor would fall to that temptation. I would never do that. I mean, that that's a really dangerous place for us to be. And so we recognize." the depravity of our own hearts to go i am capable of evil things yes i got hurt and yes it it's terrible and i i mean i can't uh i can imagine the difficulty of trying to work through uh pornography or something like that in working with a pastor who then is uh has fallen because of sexual misconduct it it adds all sorts of complexity and difficulty but what it i don't think what it means is that god is uh that god has changed that he's not who he said he was and that he's not the answer um the the answer is Hmm. not to turn inward to ourselves because we are capable of really bad things um because we also are sinners but the answer is to turn to the god who is not like us yeah
1: there's a a book called side by side i think it's written by ed welch Mm. and he talks about how um, we say help to God by saying help to God's people. Mm. And I think it's maybe a helpful thing to to point to anybody who might be listening that if that's your experience and you've experienced that hurt and you haven't been able to kind of re-engage with God's good design for a healthy local church, right. um, part of that is is trying to find find out what is healthy and what is what is that supposed to look like and, and you might need some triage, you might sure. need some care. Absolutely. And then as you kind of continue your growth and maturity as a believer, um, there there needs to be this real recognition that, you know, the church is not just for you. You mm. are for the church. Right. And uh, you kind of got into that as you shared about, um, I think it was First Corinthians 12. Could you kind of share kind of what you were thinking in, th-
2: in that line? Yeah. So I think First Corinthians 12 is a, uh, is a great illustration. There's a few different places in the, the scriptures where, uh, where it, our spiritual gifts are detailed, and Paul is unpacking that in in First Corinthians 12. That that and he uses the sort of the metaphor, the the example that we are the we're the body of Christ. Uh, that that Christ literally dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, if if we've confessed, if we believe, if if we are part of the family, um, and that collectively we make up the body of christ and we have responsibilities with the gifts that we have received to the body that that those gifts are not for us we we tend to individualize things in our day and age in our culture where it, it becomes about us it becomes about uh you know what we want or what what's best Uh, for us but but we exist for the sake of the body of christ uh and so how can we use the giftings how can we use the talents that we have received for the sake of of that body um and and they're different giftings right paul paul goes in uh to to even specific examples of why why should the eye say well if if they're not an eye they're not necessary well you know, we can just think about our own bodies and say, "Well, if we were full of eyes, we'd be <laughs> pretty weird looking, yeah, exactly. um, and we would not be super effective." Yes. Uh, and so, the the idea that we all have been given different gifts by the Lord, but it, it's not for our sake, right? The it's not the eye for the sake of the eye; the eye sees for the sake of the body. And yeah. so It's it's really stepping beyond ourselves, uh, and, and viewing the bigger picture of the body of Christ.
1: That's good. I I think of, um, you know, when I, when I think of various gifts that God's given us different measures of grace and Mm -hmm. we're supposed to serve the body, (laughs) I think what typically comes to mind is like stacking chairs at Mm. churches Mm. or running projection, or it's kind of, I don't know, more, you know, mundane tasks or whatever. But, but in reality, there's, there's like varied gifts. And so like somebody who's uh, more artistic or creative, like, There might be a way to, to put that into design work with your church for different flyers and outreach or projection or whatever. There might be uh, somebody who's particularly sensitive to the needs of others and has the gift of mercy and, and Mm could be generous in that way by just getting plugged in whenever, whenever, Hey, there's somebody that's kind of needs a friend, needs some help. Like in many ways, we like you need to be engaged. Like you, (laughs) like the church needs you just as much as you need the church and if god has designed you to be a part of a local church and that's that's not you right now like then that's a question you need to really work Mm. through right Right. because all this stuff that you're talking about with worldview you're saying hey like where else are you going to go because this is either true or it's not true like god is who he says he is or he's not that and so if that's true and he calls you to this body then how are you gonna participate? And that then gets into kind of, I think one of the main thrusts of your talk was about ambassadorship. Mm -hmm. And uh, you gave the illustration of your daughter who um, during an experience in an airport um, she was, she was faithful to, to share the gospel with sure. a newfound friend. Um, meanwhile, you're off on, you know, kind of <laughs> <laughs> doing your thing.
2: Uh-huh. Processing, <laughs> um, processing, processing this, yes, this yes. flight delay.
1: And, uh, and I think that that idea of ambassadorship would be a great way to kind of finish our conversation. So, so c- kind of describe what the call is, um, from Christ for us,
2: not just to the church, but the church to the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's good and it's uh, you know the whole idea of ambassadorship Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 uh, 20 says that we're we're ambassadors of Christ and it's I think it's just a really powerful example or, or a powerful way to describe this idea that that an ambassador was was sent by uh, a a person of authority a, a sovereign a, a representative uh, of, of a another group oftentimes a country and and that that ambassador uh when that ambassador was present it was as if the person in authority was present and so it was a physical sort of representation or manifestation of of the person who sent them and and that's us for jesus i mean jesus isn't walking around the earth like he did during his lifetime but he's empowered us through the spirit to be that uh where where we are literally jesus with skin on to a watching world and certainly we're different than jesus we're not going to be perfect um but but we want to be faithful in the areas that that god has has given us and and i think about you know how that relates to our giftings um and, and i think sometimes we we are quick to dismiss uh certain gifts I mean even as as you were sharing sort of the analogy or the the metaphor of sort of being behind the stage or running the soundboard right those are seen as less glamorous opportunities rather than the person up front speaking but but they're not they're not somehow second-class gifts or second-class opportunities um they're first-class opportunities where god wants us to be faithful and and i think too often and there's so much that can be said here you'll you'll get me going (laughs) Uh, but too often we we view we view those opportunities as unimportant but god wants us to be faithful in the little opportunities that we have and if we're faithful he'll give us more opportunities um i just think it's uh our calling is to Uh, be a reflection of christ and as culture continues to move in a direction that is is contrary to biblical christianity that opportunity is just enhanced um, because our us as lights will be much uh, will be much more contrasted to the darkness and and it's it's just it's a tremendous opportunity and and one uh that we need to sort of be tuned into those lenses to see the world through those eyes as best we can
1: well mike thanks so much for taking the time to talk today Um, we really appreciate not only you coming to national convention and speaking to our students i thought that was excellent but also just this time that we've had and and hopefully the team packed podcast listeners can enjoy some of this conversation and and hopefully start to kind of unpack this and start to live it out in their lives as well
2: absolutely thanks for having me quinn
0: thank you for joining us for this special edition of the team packed podcast have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.